Hi, this is Tom Field, Editorial Director with Information Security Media Group. We're talking today with Joel Winston, Associate Director of the Division of Privacy and Identity Protection with the Federal Trade Commission. Joel, thanks so much for joining me today. Thank you. Just to give our audience a little bit of context here, tell us a bit about yourself and your role within the FTC's Division of Privacy and Identity Protection. I've been with the FTC for 33 years uh, in a variety of roles, um, and for the last five years or so, I've been the head of this uh, relatively new division uh, at the FTC, which focuses on issues of privacy, data security, identity theft, and uh, credit reporting. So within that division, Joel, what would you say are your areas of greatest focus this year that are getting the most attention? Okay. I, I think um, I could, it, it would be best to go through it kind of subject by subject. In terms of general privacy, um, I think what's going on out there is uh, the development of a lot of new technologies that uh, may offer consumers a lot of benefits but raise certain privacy issues. And uh, we've been focusing a lot on uh, these new technologies and the privacy implications of those. For example, uh, one area where we're spending a lot of uh, focus right now is uh, online behavioral advertising. And that is where uh, your activities online, the websites you visit, the search terms you put into your search engines, etc., are being tracked and collected and compiled and then used to target advertising back to you, which for some people is a good thing. Uh, it results in ads that are uh, more uh, interesting to them. Uh, on the other hand, to some people, it's it's kind of uh, frightening that uh, that much information about their behavior is being collected. So it's an example of a, of a new kind of technology that uh, has privacy implications as well. Uh, in the area of data security, we're continuing to bring a lot of cases against companies that do not uh, have adequate data security, who are not using uh, reasonable measures to secure data. Uh, we all read about the data breaches that are occurring seemingly every week uh, at major institutions, and and we're trying in many ways to get the message across to the business community uh, about the importance of securing uh, sensitive consumer information. In the area of identity theft, uh, uh, this continues to be a major problem that affects um, millions of consumers every year. And uh, we have a very active program to help consumers um, avoid identity theft and uh, and if they do become victims to recover from, from that. And we have a number of activities ongoing there. And then uh, finally, the area of credit reporting, um, given current economic conditions, particularly uh, consumers having trouble getting credit, getting employment, uh, getting insurance, the accuracy of your credit report is all the more important than it's ever been. Uh, so uh, we enforce the Fair Credit Reporting Act, which is designed to both protect the privacy of consumers' credit information as well as to ensure that that information is as accurate as possible. So we have, uh, again, an active law enforcement program. We've, we are in the, in the midst of bringing a number of cases against uh, businesses, uh, credit reporting agencies, and others who did not uh, comply with their obligations under the Fair Credit Reporting Act. Uh, we have a number of rulemakings ongoing that Congress has uh, uh, given to us, and um, 
that's really where, where our focus is right now. Well, you mentioned the economy, Joe, and it struck me while you were talking that in some ways it's the best of times, worst of times. Uh, worst of times, obviously, economically, but best of times for people in terms of the amount of information and access that they have to information. With this comes risk. Now, where do you see consumers at the greatest risk of information security compromises? Yeah, I, I think you make a good point that our economy really depends on the flow of information um, between businesses, between governments and businesses. Um, you know, you, you, the reason you can go down to a car dealership and, and buy a car and drive off the lot with it is that they, uh, the car dealership is able to access a lot of information about your, your credit history and, and your credit worthiness generally um, instantaneously. So there are a lot of benefits to this flow of information. But as more and more information is being collected and compiled and maintained, uh, the risk grow of, uh, of data breaches. And, uh, and we really have seen a kind of an explosion in, 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 uh, in data breaches and, and uh, the damage that those can cause. I think where consumers are, are at great, greatest risk really sort of at, at, at both ends. Uh, first, um, consumers, and many consumers are not doing enough to uh, protect their own data, uh, whether it's uh, their computers to uh, uh, not respond to phishing attacks or to make sure they have uh, good antivirus software uh, and good protections in place, um, as well as uh, information that's not online, uh, making sure that uh, they shred documents with sensitive information on them, uh, don't give out their social security numbers uh, unless absolutely necessary and that sort of thing. So we think consumers you know, need to do uh, even a better job at that. Uh, at the other end of the spectrum, I think there are risks uh, that uh, come from the failure of organizations, including businesses, but also including government organizations, to adequately protect data. Uh, we've seen a lot of uh, government data breaches recently, one at the National Archives uh, a couple of weeks ago, for example. So th there is there seems to be this constant threat to, to consumers' data from ever more sophisticated uh, hackers and um, often uh, uh, people from uh, overseas who, who are very become very adept at breaking down the defenses to um, uh, that, that organizations put in place. So it's a constantly evolving situation. Uh, companies and other organizations need to be constantly vigilant to make sure that they are uh, recognizing and defending against the latest threats. Joe, earlier you mentioned education. I'm a big fan of the, the website materials you have that educate consumers on identity theft and different information security risks. Now, that's for people that reach out to you. What are ways that the FTC reaches out to the consumers and helps to educate them? Mm -hmm. Well, we do a tremendous amount of outreach. As you say, we've got uh, a lot of materials on our website that are very popular. Uh, for example, we have a, a program called On Guard Online, which is really a, a how-to guide for consumers on protecting their, their data online. And we've had over nine and a half million uh, separate visitors to, to that uh, part of our website. Uh, we also um, do a lot of um, educating of the educators. Uh, we have training kits. We go around the country helping to train 
the, the people who are educating consumers uh, more directly about um, how to protect themselves, um, whether it's you know, local community-based organizations or police departments or legal aid attorneys. Um, we, we put out a lot of advice and guidance to them on that. Uh, you know, we, we're, we're a small agency with a, a relatively limited budget, but what we try to do is uh, is really leverage our resources by working with partners, both in the public and private sector, to get the message out. You know, often co-branding it with with those uh, those those partners, so that we really increase the reach of uh, of our uh, information. Now, last year, the big news was about the identity theft red flags rule, and, and we spoke about it a lot in terms of what financial institutions needed to do. What do you find to be the state of compliance with non-financial institutions or non-banking entities specifically? Mm-hmm. Well, it's first, it's important to, to remember that the uh, the non-banking institutions, which are subject to FTC jurisdiction, are not yet legally complied, uh, legally required to comply with the red flags rule until August 1st. We have put the deadline back a couple of times, um, so you know we haven't done any sort of uh, survey or, or other uh, investigation of the degree of compliance. I, I think you know, the reason we we uh, have extended this deadline a couple of times is that we found that there were just a lot of Small, particularly small institutions out there who wouldn't necessarily realize that they were covered by this rule are not that familiar with the FTC at all, and uh, they they just didn't even know about it, so they weren't in compliance. So we've been using this time to do a tremendous amount of outreach to uh, all the literally hundreds of different different kinds of businesses that are actually subject to this rule. So it's a very broad rule, so we're trying to make sure everybody's aware of it. What do you find to be the areas that generally need the most attention when you reach out to educate these entities? Well, there's certainly been a lot of confusion about the coverage. Um, in particular, the uh, the rule covers, uh, as Congress directed, all creditors, and but the definition of creditors is extremely broad. It basically covers uh, anyone who accepts uh, payments over time. Uh, so if you uh, if you have a lawn care service and uh, they they mow your lawn and you pay them at the end of the month, um, that lawn care service is now a creditor covered by the red flags rule. So again, there are a lot of uh, businesses out there that are not traditional types of creditors. Uh, they don't lend money. They don't provide mortgages. Uh, who don't even realize they're covered by the rule. I think the other uh, the other concern that's been raised is um, that they don't really understand how they're supposed to comply. Uh, the rule is very um, flexible. It doesn't um, have a lot of very uh, specific requirements. It basically says is you have to put in place reasonable uh, measures to detect identity theft, to identify it, and, and, to, and to mitigate it. Uh, what exactly that means uh, is going to depend on your business and the kinds of risks that you face. Now we do provide a lot of guidance. Uh, there, there are a number of red, uh, possible red flags that we have listed in our guidelines uh, for businesses to consider. But uh, the, the businesses do have to exercise some discretion and, uh, and and do some thinking before they put together their program. And uh, I think some of them are struggling with that. So August 1st is the magic date now? 
that's the magic date. Now, you spoke earlier about the responsibility of businesses, and it struck me that you know, financial institutions and government agencies really can leverage the FTC. In what ways can businesses and, and agencies be turning to you for help in, in fighting identity theft and some of the other information security threats that we've spoken about and, and certainly that they've identified? Yeah, we, we, again, we put out a tremendous amount of guidance on that and, and continue to do outreach. Uh, I and many others here are on the road a lot talking to business organizations and uh, helping to uh, uh, advise them on, on, on what they need to do. We've also put out a, a very good brochure that's available on our website, uh, a, a small business guide uh, for on data security, how to secure data. It's, uh, it, it's very good. We have a, an online tutorial that, that follows from that that uh, runs you through various scenario, data security scenarios and what should you do in this situation or that situation. Uh, we find that's very useful for companies to use to train their own employees. And we've also gone around the country and done a series of workshops for small businesses uh, in, I think, now five cities, and, and we're planning on more that have been very well attended and uh, very, um, you know, uh, well received. So uh, again, given uh, our, the limits of our resources, uh, we think it's critical that we do whatever we can to help businesses uh, protect data. And uh, I, I think we've been pretty successful in doing that. When you get out on the road, Joel, what's the most common issue you're asked about? Well, I, I guess I would I would say it's that people, businesses are a little bit schizophrenic about, I think, what they want. What I often hear is, I don't really understand what the rules say. The rules say I have to have reasonable procedures to protect sensitive data. What, what exactly does that mean? Do I have to encrypt my consumer data? Can I uh, use laptops? Can I take home data on, on, on laptops? What, what, what exactly should I be doing? Uh, but they also, at the same time, don't really want to be told exactly what they have to do. <laughs> you know, they want to have some flexibility. They want to be able to adapt uh, the rules to their business models and, and the sorts of things that, that they, they face. So we've tried to find a happy medium. Uh, the, the data security rules are, are, are pretty flexible. They're really kind of process-oriented. It, it recognizes that there's no one right way to do data security. There are a lot of ways you could do it. But at the same time, we try to provide as much advice as possible. Well, you know, the rule doesn't specifically say you've got to encrypt data, but if you've got sensitive data that you're sending out over the Internet, um, it's probably a good idea to encrypt it in some fashion, you know, that sort of thing. Um, so, you know, we, we try to give guidance without uh, a lot of very rigid rules that would quickly become outdated. Flexibility is good. Security is better. Right. <laughs> well put. Joel, thanks so much for your time and your insight today. You're welcome. We've been talking with Joel Winston of the FTC. For Information Security Media Group, I'm Tom Field. Thank you very much.